0: So, um, my name is Nishitani. Uh, thank you very much for this uh, very kind introduction. Uh, it's a great pleasure and honor uh, to give a talk in front of this um, distinguished audience. And uh, I'd like to sincerely thank the organizers, from Professor Waldenberger, uh, director of this institute, and uh, uh, Dr. Holtus, uh, um, deputy director of this institute. Um, I'd also like to uh, thank uh, Mr. Keshani from Canadian Embassy. Um, It's actually thanks to him that uh, Professor Odagiri and I met um, at the the symposium of the Canadian Embassy last year. So um, that's how we could organize this uh, forum today. So I'm really grateful that uh, you're also here. Um, The topic um, I'm talking about is protecting children in family separation from a legal perspective. Um, I'd like to briefly introduce uh, my childhood. <laughs> I uh, namely, had a chance to uh, grow up uh, in Gießen, Germany, from five to seven years old. So Germany is almost like a second home country for me. And um, um, I got nostalgia uh, when I looked for pictures <laughs> of Gießen to remember uh, what kind of childhood I had. So these are the pictures of Gießen, which is a town... Um, North from Frankfurt. And uh, I remember uh, when I was a child and uh, visiting kindergarten and school at the time, all all the cars standing on the street were Beatles. (laughs) So they were very popular at that time. And uh, I somehow remember it um, very vividly. And uh, there is a Schiffenberg in Gießen, which is um, a small mountain uh, where we often had an excursion and picnic and so on. So uh, um, we really uh, enjoyed um, the, the quiet and uh, also the lifestyle in Germany. So my parents are both Japanese and I myself am also pure Japanese. But um, um, getting to know the lifestyle in Germany uh, was very uh, interesting and also changed our um, way of seeing life you know uh, because you have a clear separation between uh, private life and work and this kind of um, um, separation um, also affected us um, in our later family life and um, I'm really grateful that um, we really lived happily and were so satisfied in Germany together and uh, I started to think about how different it could have been if uh, my parents had broken up and decided to get divorced and my mother decided to take me back to Japan, leaving my father alone in Germany. So that would have been uh, child abduction if my father did not consent and then it c- could have been um, that um, my father was totally um, excluded from my life because uh, no access was possible, and maybe um, he was not paying um, child support or fulfilling uh, maintenance obligations. So that would have affected me as a child for my entire life. And. Uh, I may not have been able to uh, enjoy uh, the life uh, I had later or high education I had. I may not be standing here because uh, I did not, uh, I could not afford uh, having higher education after graduating from the university. But maybe I uh, may have had to immediately start working uh, after graduating from the university. So uh, um, I started to think um, how much uh, this kind of family separation can affect uh, a child's life. And uh, this is why I think it's very important to, to try to um, find out methods how to maintain uh, the child's contact to both parents and how we can ensure that the child um, can grow up in a safe and uh, protected environment. The 1980 Hague Child Abduction Convention ensures uh, um, in a situation where a child is abducted, like uh, from Germany to Japan, it ensures a prompt return of the child, And then um, the custody issues ought to be decided in Germany, where the child uh, had a habitual residence first. And also, uh, the convention ensures access between both parents, so uh, even the left-behind parents living uh, in Germany, Uh, would have right to uh, have access to the child, and that is ensured by the Convention. So the purpose of the Convention is that the child can maintain regular contact with both parents. And the Convention has been very successful and has um, gained already 100 member states. So um, it started with uh, Western European countries and then extended to um, the United States, Canada and uh, uh, Australia, New Zealand and uh, then it extended to East European countries and um, Asian countries as well later on. So Japan has become the member state uh, of the Hague Convention in 2014 and we have had five years experience of implementing the Hague Convention. Um, however, um, it seems to me that uh, there is unfortunately uh, some misunderstanding about how the convention is implemented in Japan. So there are some weak points uh, in my eyes that need to be improved uh, in Japan to implement properly the convention, but um, beyond that, um, it seems to me that um, because we have not been um, explaining how uh, we are implementing the convention in Japan to other countries, there have been, um, unfortunately, some misunderstandings. A particular example is a French Supreme Court decision rendered on 22nd November uh, last year. Um, It was a child abduction case uh, from Japan to France and there was an, a court proceeding going on in France, and uh, the left behind parent, the father, was claiming that the child ought to be returned, according to the Hague Convention, from France to Japan. And the Supreme Court said, um, because um, under Japanese law, there is no chance that the uh, taking parent, namely the mother, obtains custody rights afterwards, So the child uh, would have to grow up with the father and this is why it will affect uh, the child's psychology uh, in a heavy way and that would not be acceptable and that's why the Supreme Court decided not to return the child from France to Japan. And it's unfortunate because uh, this kind of ground for refusal is actually not accepted under Convention. So the interpretation itself was wrong in my eyes. And secondly, the Japanese law usually gives custody rights in such a case to the mother who has been taking care of the child all the time. So. Uh, I myself and uh, some other people are quite concerned that uh, even the highest um, judiciary in France um, does not understand the Japanese legal system quite uh, correctly. So this is why I think um, we need to uh, make it more transparent how we are implementing um, the convention in Japan and um, I think uh, we should also try to publish more in English and French uh, to make it more understandable. The U.S. has um, uh, put Japan on the blacklist, um, unfortunately, which means <laughs> that uh, um, a list of countries um, that are uh, not complying with the Hague Convention. And um, there are several good reasons to do that. And uh, I think uh, we would need to improve our uh, legal rules uh, to overcome these uh, problems. And, um, It's interesting to see that actually Germany uh, was put on the blacklist for almost 20 years (laughs) after the convention entered into force in 1991 and after uh, uh, conducting several legislative reforms um, it has been removed out of the blacklist around 2010. So I think uh, we can learn a lot from uh, the experience Germany had and uh, that's uh, what I'd like to um, tell in my talk and the second part um, I'd like to focus uh, on access rights and also um, parental responsibilities including uh, custody issues and compare uh, Japanese and German family law and because Germany is a civil law country which is um, legal system closer to Japan then um, I think uh, Germany can serve as a model we uh, look for uh, some solutions. And there are um, a lot of common law countries like UK, US, Canada, Australia, and so on. Uh, These are all member states of the Child uh, Abduction Convention as well. But because the legal systems are quite different, I think uh, certain rules are so um, different from ours so that uh, we would not be able to take them as an example. So here um, I think comparing with Germany is uh, a helpful uh, method. So the 1980 uh, Hague Convention, as I said before, when a child uh, is habitually resident in state A, and uh, the child is illicitly removed uh, uh, or retained in another state, B, then the convention ensures that the child be promptly returned to the state A. And uh, uh, this is done uh, in order to ensure that custody issues are decided by state A. So the convention uh, wants to avoid that the um, time passes and the child uh, gets settled in the new environment in state A, and that would uh, become difficult to ch- uh, bring back the child to state A afterwards. And uh, by avoiding uh, that the child stays uh, in state B, to which um, the child has been uh, wrongfully uh, taken to, um, we avoid a situation that one parent takes advantage of taking the child and then uh, creates a new status quo. So uh, in order to ensure that the child uh, be returned uh, immediately and maintains um, contact with both parents, the convention uh, ensures prompt return and there are only limited grounds for refusal. So Japan joined the Hague convention in uh, 2014. And we enacted um, a particular implementation act uh, to uh, implement, um, first of all, a Japanese central authority and also uh, particular return proceedings. Central authority means every member state establishes a central authority so that they can communicate with each other and uh, um, easily find uh, out where the child is staying, how the child is doing, and also try to seek uh, amicable solutions between the parents. So central authority is is very helpful because uh, the child abduction occurs across borders between uh, two countries. And the Japanese Central Authority is located at the the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and it has um, a particular expertise. So uh, they employ officers, namely one judge, one lawyer, one family court probation officer, one expert of child psychology, one expert of domestic violence, and one border control officer, and so on. So they collect um, all the expertise that are necessary for child abduction cases, and I think um, they are doing um, a great job. When it comes to uh, court proceedings, namely the taking parent refuses to voluntarily return the child to the country of origin, then uh, the left behind parent institute return proceedings at family court in Japan to get a return order by the judge which can be enforced afterwards to return the child. Um, And the return proceedings are concentrated in Tokyo and Osaka family courts, so that uh, the judges can uh, get expertise and uh, uh, implement also uh, efficient court proceedings. And um, um, in addition to that, um, we have private mediation outside the court that can be used for return cases, as well as in-court conciliation that is conducted at family court. So um, conciliation at family court is often used. If we look at statistics um, in the last five years, um, this is the statistic that uh, Japan's central authority received. And the application for assisting return of the child, when the child was abducted from a foreign country to Japan and uh, assistance was requested to return the child to a foreign country, then uh, we had 104 applications in total and 90 were approved by the central authority to give assistance for the left behind parents. And uh, the US outnumbers, uh, it had 24 cases and Australia eight and Germany seven, quite a high number and France six and so on. And, um, and if we look at the outcome of these cases, um, they succeeded in uh, reaching an amicable solution in return cases uh, to returning the child in 12 cases. And non-return means uh, they agreed that the child remains in Japan and does not have to be returned to the foreign country. So amicable solutions in total were 21 and even after family court proceedings uh, for return of the child uh, have been instituted, there were um, successful in court conciliation uh, according to which in 13 cases return uh, was agreed and again 13 cases where non return of the child uh, was agreed upon. And there was also judicial settlement where um, The uh, parties agreed um, in um, contentious proceedings, and again uh, one was returned and one was agreed as non-return. In total, um, it is uh, conspicuous in Japan that all the solution by uh, consent constitutes 70% of all the cases. So if you look at the statistics of all other member states, um, the percentage is only 30%. So Japan has so far succeeded in a quite high rate uh, to uh, find a solution by consent of both parents. In the outgoing cases where the child has been abducted from Japan to a foreign country, again, the U.S. Uh, out of numbers, it had 17 cases, and uh, Thailand was uh, quite high. So there were 10 cases from Japan to Thailand, and Philippines, 9, and South Korea, 6. And so on. So the um, characteristic uh, of the situation in Japan is that um, incoming cases and outgoing cases are almost the same number. So there are um, a lot of um, actually uh, outgoing cases um, which may not have been so much discussed but uh, almost the same number as the incoming case. So um, the uh, Hague Convention itself also ensures access rights, and this is why uh, the left-behind parent uh, can also apply to the uh, Japan Central Authority uh, to have assistance for uh, the access with the child. And that cases um, have been also quite a large number, particularly incoming case had uh, 101 applications. And uh, only in the first year uh, they had 55 applications, and this is because the access cases was applicable uh, to child abduction cases also before um, the convention entered into force. So there were a lot of um, you know old child abduction cases where the left behind parent was waiting for and apply uh, for an assistance of access, and uh, that had. uh, a very high number and after that, uh, that number has become more moderate. Um, in family uh, disputes, uh, it is a common understanding that um, the amicable solution between the parents is um, always the best solution and because um, the parents will be happy and uh, they will uh, also be um, likely to abide by what they have promised themselves afterwards. So mediation plays an important role for return cases as well. And uh, There is a um, mechanism of private mediation, particularly bar associations and um, have set up several mediation centers, and if the parties want, uh, they can refer to private mediation outside court. But uh, the disadvantage is that uh, the outcome of private mediation is legally not binding, so even if one party breaches, there is no way of... Know, enforcing uh, what has been agreed and it is also uh, said to be cost and time consuming. So for return cases um, in court conciliation has been more successful. So on, uh, in in court conciliation um, when uh, parents uh, reach an agreement then the advantage is that the outcome of the in court conciliation itself becomes an enforcement title. So if one party breaches what has been agreed in court conciliation, then that can be enforced afterwards. And uh, in addition to that, um, if uh, the court orders return, then the court can only say whether the child ought to be returned to the country of origin or the child ought to stay in Japan because there is a ground for refusal. And that's it. But the advantage of in court conciliation is that uh, the parents can uh, agree upon various conditions how the child ought to be returned. So for example, the timing of return, the means of return, um, who shall pay the flight tickets and how the child shall be returned and uh, whether the left behind parents shall help in visa applications and uh, when there is a criminal charge going on in a foreign country, then uh, the left behind parents shall exempt um, of criminal charge and so on. So these kind of conditions can be included in in court conciliation, and that's said to be uh, a great advantage in return cases Uh, the advantage is also that the same judge who shall be uh, uh, rendering a return order supervises uh, in court conciliation as well so that judge can uh, tell in advance what would be the outcome of court decision so the judge can tell whether uh, there will be a return order so that the child ought to be returned or whether the child can stay in Japan and, uh, and if the judge can tell the parents in advance what would be the outcome of court decision, then um, the parents can start negotiating based um, on that situation. So that facilitates the uh, conciliation uh, at family court. And um, and. Court conciliation is conducted by two conciliators, one uh, male conciliator and female conciliator, and uh, they are um, uh, particularly uh, trained for that, and they have expertise in uh, family cases. So this is why uh, family court uh, conciliation uh, is said to be advantageous. However, um, if we look at the situation in Japan, there are several remaining challenges. So I think uh, the most important challenges we have are two. The first one is enforcement of return orders. So once uh, the parents cannot reach an agreement between themselves, the court renders a return order um, obliging the taking parent to um, give up the child so that the child can be returned to the foreign country. Then um, if um, uh, the taking parent does not voluntarily give up the child, then uh, we would have to implement the enforcement measures. So the court officers um, go to the... Uh, child and then um, get the child so that um, he or she can be returned to the country of origin. The problem of our enforcement measures uh, is, however, that we have to uh, first um, implement indirect enforcement. It is a kind of money order, so we wanted to avoid that the child um, is um, psychologically damaged because of... uh, strict enforcement measures. That's why we wanted to, um, first of all, use the money order so that the taking parent is obliged to pay certain amount of money every day, so long as um, the parent does not give up the child. Uh, And then uh, when it um, um, turns out not to be uh, efficient and workable, then we can move to the direct enforcement by a substitute. And uh, this um, intermediate step to uh, have a money order uh, is said to be uh, not so efficient, particularly uh, it gives an opportunity for the taking parent to hide the child somewhere, and uh, that would be problematic. The other uh, problematic point is uh, the simultaneous presence uh, of the taking parent and child uh, is um, presupposed. So uh, the court officer is not allowed to take the child when uh, the taking parent is not staying with the child. So that's also uh, considered to be avoid damages for the child but um, that led to the um, situation that the taking parent um, leaves the child uh, with the grandparents and stays away from the child so that uh, enforcement can never take place. So that's um, uh, also very problematic and this is why the Japanese legislature has decided to amend the Implementation Act to have more uh, coercive measures for the enforcement of return orders. So we will make an exception for uh, the preposition of indirect enforcement and it will become also possible to take the child while the taking parent is not staying with the child. Another um, point um, that uh, ought to be uh, improved uh, is access. So although the Hague Convention guarantees access of the left behind ch- uh, parent with a child, um, we do not have um, effective rules to uh, um, guarantee uh, the access. And. Um, We have a particular rule in our statute, uh, which is called uh, Article 32 of Act on General Rules on Application of Laws. And uh, these rules um, determine which country's law is applicable to access. Um, And this rule applies uh, also to cross-border cases. And uh, we refer to the uh, national law of one parent and the child when the nationality is common so on and if uh, for example in the case of a Canadian spouses uh, living in Japan with two children and in that case we applied Canadian Nova Scotia law to determine uh, the access of the child and in such a case when a foreign law is applicable then we can apply the foreign standard of access but otherwise if Japanese law is applicable then we have a problem um, of access So access is not yet uh, defined as uh, uh, rights uh, under Japanese law, and uh, access itself has been um, developing by case law and courts can order also access uh, as a kind of custody measures. However, because uh, neither parents nor the child are considered to have rights to claim access, it um, has certain consequences in the Japanese practice. So first of all, um, because um, there is not a legal right to have access and the discretion of the family court is larger than uh, otherwise. And uh, also the decision making of the custodial parents is very much respected because one parent has custody after divorce and uh, that parent shall decide um, how child should, should grow up and how often the child should see the other parent and so on and that kind of um, decision making of the custodian parents is very much respected because custody itself is a legal right but not the access so that's uh, the uh, problem we have under Japanese law And besides, um, access is considered uh, something to be granted for parents, but not for grandparents or siblings, which is different in Germany and other Western countries. So, as a background um, of this difference of the idea of access, um, we can point out that uh, the ratio of children born out of wedlock is still low in Japan. So, it's only 2.2%, whereas uh, the percentage is 35% in Germany. So, because Germany uh, has um, a lot of different family forms and also patchwork families, that um, after uh, the divorce of the parent, uh, they get remarried and the child grows up with, um, uh, first, uh, with um, step-parent and so on. That um, also um, led to the necessity that um, access be guaranteed um, as a, a legal norm in Germany. So um, I'm uh, unfortunately running out of time, so I just want to um, give you an overview that um, the characteristics of Japanese family law are that um, and the family law itself is bound to a heterosexual uh, marital unit. So once um, parents get married, then um, that marital unit is very decisive whether a child is born in wedlock or out of wedlock uh, leads to a status different. And this is why after um, divorce, when uh, this marital relationship is dissolved, then uh, only one parent becomes um, custodian, and that's it. And uh, in doing this, um, because we have consensual divorce, the uh, agreements of the parties uh, play an important role, but uh, at the same time, we have clean break principle after divorce, so on. Uh, in principle, um, the relationship does not remain in um, a situation where parents are divorced. And that situation is different in Germany uh, due to the um, multiple uh, different kinds of family forms and uh, um, custody is guaranteed even um, when parents are not married and also after divorce. So um, and Custody right itself is something um, inherent in the parent's right. And also access itself is guaranteed um, as a legal um, right. And um, it is uh, considered in Germany nowadays as a right of the child primarily. So it used to be considered the right of the parent who is not living with the child. But now the perspective has changed. They see it from the perspective of the child that um, the child has the right to have access to both parents, primarily. In implementing access in Japan, we have a different legal mechanism and it's also possible to get a family court decree, And uh, according to uh, family court orders, the frequency of access is relatively uh, low in Japan. So in most cases, 44% uh, of cases, it's only a month and without overnight stay. So it's just um, a couple of hours that the parent uh, can see the child, uh, even according to the access order. In Germany, a residence model is uh, often used, so overnight stay on alternate weekends um, is uh, guaranteed, and also spending time during long vacations and holidays is uh, guaranteed as well. The remedies uh, in non-compliance cases is difficult to get, and uh, then viable solutions uh, in japan seems to be to uh, allow and afterwards and change access order by family court and also and in certain cases to switch custodian so um, that would put uh, the custodial parents under pressure to abide by the uh, access order in order not to lose custody so that could be a solution that can be adapted uh, in japan but the best way would be as professor odagiri would, would address to reach an amicable solution so mediation uh, would play an important role uh, and besides uh, assisting parents and making them clear how important it is for the child to have access to both parents and regular contact to both parents uh, or to be explained to parents and, uh, and at the a consensual divorce and that is uh, uh, effectuated uh, by a simple declaration at municipalities, the municipalities can provide um, certain uh, assistance. So that's being done, uh, uh, some municipalities like Akashi and Shizuoka and so on, and uh, it seems to be increasing in numbers. And uh, when uh, the parents come um, to the municipalities to declare their consensual divorce, then uh, the municipality can provide assistance and uh, um, the uh, access can be then uh, ensured. So uh, if we look at the situation in Japan, um, I think um, if I compare it with Germany, The difference is that uh, Germany has um, several supranational organizations like the European Union and also European Convention on Human Rights. And these um, supranational uh, organizations have uh, played an important role for Germany to change its domestic uh, family law. And because we do not have this kind of imposing uh, supranational organizations, it's uh, quite hard to change something in Japan. But still, um, if it comes to uh, the implementation of the Hague Convention, I think um, we have changed already our statute to have more effective enforcement measures. And we should um, also think about how we can um, ensure in a better way the access um, of the left behind parent to the child. And uh, in Germany, They do not use any coercive measures when uh, access order is not abided by, but the judge simply invites uh, both parents to come back to the family court so that they can have a talk and uh, uh, they can uh, encourage uh, the parent to abide by the access order. So this kind of monitoring activities that can be done by family court, I think that would uh, enhance also uh, the possibility to realize access uh, in Japan as well. Uh, joint custody after divorce is being uh, discussed in Japan. Um, there are certain issues uh, that need to be addressed, and to realize that. Um And um, primarily, I think, uh, the perception of the society needs to change. So after divorce, uh, it's not uh, the end of the whole story, but the child remains as a child of both parents. So I think we should ensure that the child can grow up in a safe environment and has um, regular contact to both parents. So I'm sorry for exceeding the time. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you. Hello.
1: Hello. I'm very honored to have a presentation today, so that it is the first time to come here. So I find some familiar face, so that that makes me uh, feel comfortable, thank you. <laughs> and uh, today uh, I'm, uh, I'm teaching at the university, but uh, uh, rather than, uh, other than that, so that I uh, work as a mediator on the Hague case and also the domestic case. And sometimes I provide the counseling uh, with the, uh, children, with the divorced parents, and also the many Many times I have the counseling on uh, the left-behind parent, usually the father. So uh, today uh, I'm uh, I'm talking about uh, I'm talking I'm t- uh, uh, cover the five topics. So I try to focus on the mediation at the mic. Uh, mic is a. a, a uh, NGO uh, it's an uh, international NGO and providing the mediation. So I, today I focus on the mediation and uh, healing the child in mediation. So at first so that I review the background uh, about the child and the divorce in Japan so the, over the two, uh, 200,000 marital couples get divorced in last year and sixty uh, percent of them uh, have the uh, children. Uh, in Japan, about uh, 230,000 uh, children experienced their parents' divorce. And additionally, in the 2017, there were around uh, 200,000 international marriage between the Japanese and the foreigners, and half of them uh, resulting divorce. Uh, on the other side, on the other hand, and uh, one third of the d- domestic, uh, I mean, the Japanese couples uh, result in divorce. So uh, apparently, so the international couples are more likely to get divorce. Uh, as Japan, as uh, Professor Nishitani mentioned, and implement, uh, implement uh, sold custody after divorce. So there are many, many, many parental disputes over the child custody and the visitation. So we call it the visitation, but uh, uh, other countries so that uh, share parenting and parenting time, so they never say the visitation. But still, uh, we call it the visitation. And and ninety uh, percent of divorces in Japan are filed by mutual agreement. We call it the Kyogi rikon so that that means that just the parents submit the divorce paper at the, the city office without court involvement the so most of the cases are this type and uh, mutual by the mutual agreement so the conditions of i mean the visitation and the child support payment are determined by the parents um, everything up to the parents. Uh, Therefore, only the one-third of uh, children can access uh, the non-custody parent, usually the father. And only a quarter of the uh, children uh, gets the child payment from the non-custodial parent, usually the father. So it is difficult uh, to enforce a visitation and a child support payment in Japan. And in addition, and half of the children uh, in the mother, uh, single mother uh, household families uh, live below the poverty level. And these uh, children are the marginalized and these problems are uh, underrepresented, so it's very serious problems. The status of the visitation in Japan. So the Japanese court recognize uh, it is uh, best for the child uh, to receive the continued love and support uh, from the birth parent uh, after divorce. And uh, of course, Convention on the right of the Child st- uh, stipulates a similar view. However, under the sole custody and when the custodial parent, usually the mother, uh, strong protest visitation, uh, it never occurs. It's very difficult to enforce a visitation. So I mean there is, uh, to be honest, so there is unfair uh, power balance between the custodial parent and non-custodial parent. So it's very unfair situation. Both both are uh, the biological parents, but after divorce, there is a huge power imbalance there. And uh, I I will uh, quick review uh, the res- research. I will I will give uh, the quick review uh, about the research. And uh, much research uh, show that divorce is a major risk factor for children, and divorce could have a long negative effect on the physical and psychological uh, health, including anxiety, depression, attention problem, and aggressive uh, aggressive behavior. And uh, t- Children growing up without contact with their non residential parent, usually the father, after divorce are more likely to fail to access education and experience uh, economic hardship. In addition to that, uh, negative life uh, events related to divorce uh, cause low self-esteem and poor uh, coping skills and social maladjustment. In summary, of 60 studies by Professor Nielsen, uh, mo- most joint custody parents don't mutually or voluntarily agree to the joint custody joint custody plan at the outset, and in majority of the case, one parent initially opposed uh, the plan, and a compromise as a result of the legal negotiations, mediations, uh, or court orders. Um, but uh, for uh, children. Uh, well, uh, for the, uh, for the children uh, joint custody uh, had a better outcome than sole custody, and the research showed that when uh, children um, are only uh, raised by only by custodial parent and uh, by their mother, and the father has less contact with their uh, children, uh, because the majority mother are uh, not willing to do visitation. In the case so that when the mother uh, agree the uh, and prefer the visitation, so visitation is going well. So, I mean, the, the mother uh, play the key role of the, uh, key role in, for the visitation. And then next, uh, I will show the next uh, research. Uh, the professor Warshak uh, refutes assertion that uh, children uh, cannot benefit from shared parenting, um, I mean, the visitation and the overnighting arrangement. He states that much research from the 1970s uh, to the 1990s uh, challenged the stereotypes and prejudice that uh, children needed mothers. Therefore, the mother should be granted child custody. Uh, however, the result of the social science studies these days uh, supported that most children needed and, wa- needed and wanted more access to the father. After divorce, and no evidence was found that uh, children under four um, benefit from restriction to the parent access, and overnight, overnighting arrangement, and uh, did not predict insecure attachment between the uh, children and their their mother. And when the parents are labeled as a high conflict, uh, high, high conflict. Japanese Court usually the visitation should be suspended because uh, the parent high conflict leads a negative co- impact on children, but uh, it happens many times in Japan, but these findings so uh, these findings uh, deny the, this, uh, the court decision not denied, but uh, these findings doesn 't support uh, the court decision. And uh, yeah, so and, uh, we uh, and also the, the policy of the automatic uh, restricted visitation uh, brings the drawbacks and destroys and uh, nurturing the relationship with the uh, children and uh, their non-disclosure parents. So that instead of the suspending uh, visitation, uh, we propose a mediation to the parents in order to uh, reduce the parental conflict. So let's move to the mediation. Uh, the MIC uh, is a stand for uh, Stanford International Mediation Center for Family Conflict and Child Abduction. Uh, it is a non-profit organization uh, providing uh, mutual, legal, and free church support, uh, advice, and referral uh, to mediation for the parents. So the, mm, I have the uh, training at the MIC, more than the, uh, 50 hours, and also that they come to Japan and they provide a, a training for the mediator. Uh, usually uh, we are uh, the mediator uh, in text of the, um, the Hague Convention, Hague Child Convention, S- yes. So that I introduce uh, the mediation at MIC today, yes. And, and definition of the mediation, so the mediation is a process in which uh, the neutral third party, um, I mean the mediator, uh, assists the parents in, in, uh, in resolving the dispute. And the mediator works with the parents to help them reach an agreement. Um, but the mediator has no uh, decision-making authorities and also cannot tell uh, the parents what to do. So uh, for me, so sometimes it's very difficult. So uh, from my experience, so that mm, I uh, I come up with uh, some good idea, or the, in your case, so that it is a good way to uh, resolve the solution. Uh, but uh, I can't say that it's a good. Uh, it's a it's a good way uh, to solve the, your problem. I never say again. But I show the uh, advantage or the disadvantage of the some topics and some the issues. Uh, I will do that, but uh, I never say you should do that. So just I facilitate uh, their conversation, and also I give them many information from my, person, uh, my professional point of view. Uh, so the, maybe <laughs> you don't need it, uh, so th- this figure uh, might help you to understand uh, what is a mediation. So the, the right side is a procedure in the family court, so the, we call it a conciliation, Chorte. and uh, uh, I'm, I'm talking about the left side, so the mediation is a alternative dispute resolution, ADR. So it's a, a procedure uh, outside of the court so i'm working with uh as a mediator uh, with uh, another mediator and their background is uh, uh law uh, international law or the domestic law and also the uh, we uh, the, there are two mediators in the one mediation so the opposite sex so that for me so that i'm a uh, uh, I'm a psychologist and a female, so the another mediator is a law professor with a background of uh, law professionals and also the men. So I'm always uh, working with uh, uh, the men and uh, the mediator uh, whose background is uh, international law. So some may, uh, the many times so the we uh, the this this uh, pair is a change, but the always m- my counterpart is uh, men and law uh, professionals. Oh, what? One more quick? Okay. Ah here. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the uh, purpose of the mediation at the MIC uh, is the uh, first one, that re-establish the uh, direct communication between the parents. The second, and bring the parents to pay attention to the child. Um, the third, uh, reduce the dispute. And the fourth, avoid court. It's very important. And the uh, f- last one is agreement are uh, more sustainable than court ruling. And uh, yes, so the next topic is my uh, field. So the hearing the child and the mediation. The why would a mediator want to hear the child? So the uh, the first one, of course, uh, to get to know the child. And the second one, to reduce the child's burden of the making a decision. And third, uh, to encourage the child to express their opinion and emotion regarding all matters affecting the child. And uh, first uh, draw parents attention to the needs and well-being of the child i realized so that child uh, want to uh, participate in uh, the mediation but uh, they um, not mediation so that the child uh, wants to uh, participate in the family decision making but they want to be a decision maker you know so that it's very different so the, but uh, the, the child wants, wants to say something or the uh, want to contribute to uh, family decision making so the, they are happy to uh, talk with me uh, talk to me uh, mediator so it's a good chance uh, for the child to express their emotion but uh, before uh, hearing the child we need to uh, give the information affecting the child S- because so that the child uh, after separation the parent separation or divorce the child uh, get information uh, f- only from the custodial parents uh, i mean so that that means so the child gets one sided information so the child uh, doesn't know uh, the other parent or the non-residential parent uh, how do uh, how they uh, think about it the child, so it's very important to uh, give the uh, information to the child and before hearing the child, and also the, from my point of view, so the Japanese child uh, hes- uh, hesitate to express their opinion. So uh, our from the, our uh, educational system, mm, some uh, children to. Um, very hesitant, very very fear uh, to have emotion. So take a time and uh, so we trust each other and we develop the uh, trust. And then uh, we talk about uh, focus on this issue. So it's a very uh, special technique mm, for the Japanese child, I think. And the next, uh, the involving involving the child in the mediation is uh, that differ from the judicial procedure. Uh, according to the guide, uh, guide to Good Practice under the Hague Convention of the October uh, 1980s, uh, the child's, uh, child's view should be considered in the mediation in accordance with the child's age and maturity. How the child's view can be introduced into mediation, and whether the child should be involved differently or in di- uh, di- directory or indirectly must be given careful consideration, and depend on the circumstance of each case. And uh, it, and also, the, uh, it is important to know that the mediator is not arbitrator or the judge and the mediator does not evaluate what the child say to the mediator. And the mediator simply gives the uh, child's view, get back to the parents and the mediation, uh, at the early stage of the mediation. And in order to make uh, the child safe and comfortable, uh, the mediator needs to know uh, how to ask a correct question to the child. So the mediator uh, required to specific training. So the MIC uh, provide a specific training uh, to us. S- so the last one, and uh, I will show the uh, hearing the child mm, with uh, Germany and Japan and uh, other countries. So the, in Germany, the hearing the child is very common. And usually the one mediator have the interview with the child. And the mediator after the interview with the child, and the mediator uh, that give the child view to the parent in the mediation. And uh, yes, so the in Germany, so the, they respect the child right. So the, the incre- so the uh, having the uh, the interview or the hearing the child is very common in these days. The mix uh, the staff told me. And the UK, so the UK and o- also the child age, uh, 10 years or above, uh, should be heard in mediation. But uh, actually, uh, the Reunite International, uh, it is the same organization as the MIC. And the Reunite, we call it just Reunite. And uh, Reunite really uh, he- hear the ch- uh, children uh, during the mediation. So the superficial level, so the, media, the we include and, the, and the, you should uh, hear the child, but in reality, it's a little bit different. The ne- Netherlands, the child's view might be incorporated into the mediation. In uh, many ways, and uh, third, uh, third mediator, and also the child psychologist, and uh, have the interview with the child, and uh, the mediator and uh, give the information, a child view, um, back to the parents in the mediation, the same as Germany. And the third one is very interesting. And uh, a child can write a letter and can write a letter to the parents, and the mediator uh, read out this letter to the parents in mediation. I Iran, Canada use the same way in the mediation. It's a good thing, Uh, so some child, um, it's difficult to say something, but it's easier to write something uh, to come up, uh, bent out uh, their feeling, like the diary or stuff like that. So I think that it's a good way. And the last one is in Japan, so a mediator does not hear the child in the mediation. If needed, uh, the, a child psychologist or the child representative and uh, uh, attorney is appointed uh, to hear the child. But uh, actually, it uh, rarely occur in Japan. So uh, I'm a, a psychologist, and also the, I have the special training uh, to have the uh, have the interview with the child. But I have the very few experience to have the interview with a child in the case of the uh, Hague case or the another international or the domestic case. So the, in Japan uh, the family court investigator is the only person to have the interview with a child and in the family
0: matter. Yes. okay, thank you <laughs>